Hello. It's at home with Linda and Drew Scott. I, I, you know, Linda, I have this feeling. It's just, oh. it's, it's, it's deep inside of me. <laughs> Is it the food you ate last night? No, it's a little something different. What is it? Goes like this. Ooga chaka, ooga chaka, ooga 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 chaka, ooga chaka. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me, girl. You just don't realize what you do to me when you hold me in your arms so tight. You let me know. I don't know that word. Everything's all right. Ah, have David Hasselhoff on the podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. You guys know Hasselhoff. He's the Hoff. He's the hassle. You don't hassle the Hoff. He's, <laughs> you don't Hoff the hassle. He's a pop culture icon, um, and he's hanging out with us this week. So much fun. That is a song. I'm going to tell him that too. This is a song, Hooked on a Feeling, that he did a, a rendition of, and it's always in my head. It's I don't know why. in my brain. Linda will just see me like by myself humming away, and that's the song. It's a great getting ready song. It is. We actually asked David about the video because obviously uh, it's unique, and he told us a funny story of why he did it the way he did it. Of how it came to be. And then it became the most popular video on YouTube years after he released mm-hmm. it. Anyway... Anyway, what's up? Not much. It's been a it's it's been a great week of. Uh, oh. Did you get a beard hair in yeah, your? So I will find uh, Drew's beard hairs just laying around, and they're so thick. They're super thick. Oh, ooh. they're like tree trunks. I'll pull out your beard hairs or hair. Try. <laughs> mm. That was my mm. lucky one. Um, yeah, it's time to get a little grooming done on this beard. It's getting a little wild. But why isn't that one spot, like that one spot just doesn't, see. doesn't fill in? It's your thinking spot, maybe. It, you know what? I kind of feel like I probably had my like finger up towards my ear and then my thumb on my chin. And now those are my two like bare spots. And there's a lot of white coming in lower down. Maybe that's from resting my chin on things. <laughs> what? Got to do the some white? manscaping. I don't know. Does it turn your <laughs> hair white when you lean it on things? Who knows? Where did you get that? There's no scientific proof behind that. There's no proof at no, all. I, I just made that up. But uh, <laughs> manscaping. Let's talk about manscaping. Right. I need to do a little on my chin. All right. I have no hair anywhere else, but that's where it's going to come in. <laughs> this is Linda loves that I'm less hairy than she is. Yeah. If it makes you happy. Yeah. I don't like hair. That's why it's look at that. Oh. I don't have a lot of hair on my arms, but I can see in this light I have more hair than you do. I have. I see one. <laughs> It's the, you know, years of laser. It's a. Laser scares me. This is the thing anyone listening that wants to hear more information than you really want to. I lasered over the years. I just never liked hair. So I was always shaving and it was such a pain. You would shave your arms. Oh yeah. I would shave my arms, my legs, everything, my chest, everything. And uh, then people would say to me, oh, you have no hair. I'm like, well, it shaves. And then when it starts to come in, it It looks really thick and bristly. And uh, it seemed to be getting thicker, whether that's true or not, it seemed to be getting thicker from all the shaving. And so people would say, why do you shave? Why do you shave? And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a professional athlete. I'm a swimmer. I, why did you shave? I just never liked hair. But then I would make excuses. Like I didn't want to tell people I just don't like hair and I, I would shave. Like you don't like the feeling of it? I just didn't like the feeling of it. I'm, I didn't like the look of it. I didn't like being hairy and also you know, like playing a lot of sports. It captures oh, the all the, the sweat and then it yeah. stinks and under your arms and... 
Anyway, so I would be, I would be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I swim and or well, I'm a cyclist. It's, it's aerodynamic. Off. It's paid off because well, now you're I, a pro athlete. Yeah, now I'm <laughs> super pro athlete. But uh, then I started lasering instead of shaving, and then it never came. But now, back. if you wanted hair, it won't grow back, isn't that? I that? want hair on my face. I want hair on my head, and there's one other spot. Aside from that, I don't need hair. All right. Do you like it? I like whatever makes you happy. All right. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and she also likes that I'm not scratching her with all my hair. That's the one complaint she gives me is when I kind of go in and kiss her on the cheek, then she's like, oh, it tickles. That doesn't sound like a complaint. Hold on. I'm like, uh -huh. Give me your neck. It does tickle. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's it. Anyway, that's my love tickle. Uh, but aside from love tickles, so... <laughs> I thought you would have been more excited about the shirt I'm wearing right now. I love the shirt that you're wearing. My Mickey Usually Mouse shirt? I'm wearing your shirt. That's true. She steals my Mickey Mouse shirt all the time. And finally, I put it up on the high rack that she can't reach. And <laughs> so I was able to take it. And this is my little tribute to Disneyland until they open back up. Yes, I, I do miss Disney. And you're wearing your Love I'm Loud shirt. I'm wearing my Love Loud shirt. Yes, Dan Reynolds, Imagine Dragons, their Love Loud. Love being a part of it, celebrating... How we're all different and we all deserve to be happy. And how and we love all deserve wins. Love. love wins. Love does win. I want to actually answer a question out of our dino, oh, yes. our dino cookie, our cookie jar. cookie jar question. Okay. All right. I'm going in. Okay. The question of the week. Linda? Yes. This is definitely my writing. What makes you smile? Oh, easy, easy, easy. Seeing other people smile. Makes me smile. Just like how seeing other people cry makes me cry. Mm -hmm. um, seeing people happy, waking up beside you. Baby videos. Baby videos. Baby videos. videos. Doing, like, uh, we just watched one. Uh, Viola Davis posted a video and it's just this little baby. It's, I, it's like a little kid, like a pre-daycare thing. And they're all sitting in a circle. I don't even think he's that old. He's... Maybe oh, two. He's so adorable. And they're all sitting there, but he's falling asleep. And they're and all singing a song or something. Some sort of a kid's song. They're all singing <laughs> together. And he's dozing and his head's falling off onto the kid's shoulder next to him. But then every time they hit like a chorus kind of a beat of the song, like the da da, like, da, da he wakes wake up, up smiling. His eyes are like still closed, but he starts smiling and laughing like he's a part of the song. <laughs> it's like me in, oh in movies or, yeah. or live shows. I love going to theater and, and catching live shows and, and she concerts. She falls asleep during the opening But I fall credits. asleep as soon as the lights go down, my body's just like, oh, okay, it's nap time. Yeah. And I feel so bad. And that's why I never like sitting like oh in my the gosh. front because I'm just- <laughs> One time we were at, was it a sporting event? It, what was it? So we were, we were at this, whatever it was, and Linda had fallen asleep. And then <laughs> everybody made noise for whatever purpose. And Linda jumps up and starts clapping. <laughs> kind of a thing. And I'm like, sit down, weirdo. I thought it was done or something. So I'm like, oh, oh shoot, I missed. It was a play. It was a play. Oh it was my a, gosh. Yeah. It was really Oh my God. I was like, so embarrassing. Sit down, weirdo. <laughs> uh. <laughs> what makes you smile? That's the same, baby videos. Okay. Baby videos make me smile. Anytime you can see just that sort of beautiful joy coming out of a, a kid or a baby, is it makes me smile. Especially when they're pooping at the same time. Yeah, there's no, that's a different face. That makes me squirm. <laughs> you know, you, when you see any parents out there, you know when you see a poop face on but, your kids. But it's, a, it's an expression of Of like, relief? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get that look all the time. So- as I mentioned before, this week we're chatting with David Hasselhoff. He is an icon. 
so many decades of inspiring the world with positivity and fun. I love that he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's willing to try new things. He does everything. He's literally done everything. Mm -hmm. I, I can't believe how many platinum albums he's had. And yeah, over 40, I, over 40 platinum albums. It's just albums. so cool that he's still able to do what he does with that same energy. In his 60s. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you would think he's 25 with the amount of energy he has and what he does and his positive outlook on life. And, and also he's so giving to his fans. If people come up and say hi to him, he says hi and he shares a story, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Well, shall you do the honors? Okay, I'm really excited to introduce David Hasselhoff. So let's hop right into this episode. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did right there. <laughs> Drew always says, let's hop into the episode. Can I just use my Today we're going to hop into it. Let's talk to David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said... My. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not <laughs> mine. Help protect what matters most with all this plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I can feel the love Bouncing off these walls Shining through the windows Reflecting like a rainbow That's where we belong Yeah, it feels like home Tell us a little bit about your kit car too, because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that absolutely are obsessed with Knight Rider and like, what's it like to still have the car? Well, I've got a kit car actually in a replica of that is actually drivable and it's in perfect condition in the UK. And I'm working on a TV show called Kit and the Hoth that is uh, either going to be on Quibi or, 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 or streaming. And it's going to be... Basically, kind of um, the reaction I get worldwide is, can I tell you my Knight Rider story? And when they see the Knight Rider car, they flip out. I just did a show called 9 to 5 in the West End. And the lead girl, um, Victoria, saw the car and she just flipped out. And she was like a little kid in the car. And I thought... The guy said, you want to buy the car? And I had a beautiful car with a gull wing and everything for my 60th birthday that I sold for charity to a guy in Turkey because he started crying and uh, his favorite show was Night Rider. And uh, 
I kind of regret that I sold it, but I sold it. And then I bought another car recently because I saw, I was driving down the freeway. I saw a guy driving a Trans Am and he waved to me and I said, pull over. And I said, you want to sell it? He said, yeah. So I bought his car. So I've got another car in development right now. And this, this replica in the UK, and I'm thinking of doing a show because I, I get stopped worldwide because of Knight Rider and Baywatch. And but mainly because of men who are between 35 and 50 or older talk about how it changed their life and how it influenced them. And that that's really a tribute to me and to um, what's left of my dad is his wedding ring. Uh, he gave to my mom. But my dad was a really outgoing, personable, incredible guy. He used to carry around cards that said, Knight Rider's dad. <laughs> he would say, uh, Joe Hasselhoff. He'd say, are you related to David Hasselhoff? He goes, well, I'm his dad. And he, <laughs> and he carried this card. In fact, my mother used to get upset with him because uh, he loved me. Uh, I was the only boy. It was four girls and me. And um, I became the Knight Rider. And I said, Dad, you know, I'm going to make Hasselhoff famous because they asked me to change my name. Did you change your name? True. Well, my full name's Andrew. My my initials are ass. Andrew Alfred. But Scott. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but Scott is the name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Hasselhoff was took a lot of crap for the name Hasselhoff, so I I could have changed the name to David Michaels because my middle name is Michael. But um, they had already had a David Michaels in uh, Screen Actors Guild, so I said, you know what, I'm going to keep the name Hasselhoff. I'm going to make it famous. And well, in 1993, I was the most watched television star in the world. And I presented that book to my dad, Guinness Book of World Records, you know. And I said, hey, man, check out, you know, page such and such. And he opened it up and there was a picture. I said, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> name famous. And, it, and, you know, it's, Night Rider has affected a lot of people. Even, even when I did... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, I, I asked James Gunn, the director, you know, why? Why'd you choose me? Why am I the hero of, or, of Chris Pratt, the star of the show? Why does he think that David Hasselhoff is, is his dad? And he said, because when I was eight years old, I saw Knight Rider. <laughs> there you go. See? So it's, um, it's uh, kind of a long, long story but i've been trying to get night rider into a film and um i'm still working on it as a tv series to kind of continue it not make it like the all-new night rider you know yeah 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 with a different michael knight but have michael knight have a grandson or a son or, mm. so I, i've got the concept and it's um i just got a letter yesterday so uh, we'll see what happens. You yeah. know? Well, I have to say, I mean, when, when you stack all of what you've done, I mean... It's unbelievable. You, and it's so... It's you should so be 160, cool. <laughs> not, not in your 60s. Like there's so much, whether it's film, TV, uh, music, even dancing, with dancing with the stars and, and whatnot. But, and then also international. I mean, it's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. And obviously you're a massive um, uh, pop, uh, a pop culture icon. Um, where did it all start? Where did the entertainment, the itch to entertain start for you? Was it music or was it um, acting? I, I saw a play called Rumpelstiltskin and uh, 
my first show, and I told my mom, I think I want to do that. And my first show was called The Peter Pan. And I played one of the boy, boys, the lost boys. And the theme of the show was I, I won't grow up. And um, that was in Buckhead in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And I ended up um, getting the bug. My mom said to me, um, you got it. And I went, what What do I have? And she <laughs> said, you've got the star quality. And, I'm, and now I, that means that I have to take you to every acting class and singing class and blah, blah, blah. And because of my mom and because of that statement and because my dad was so outgoing and because I grew up in the theater, I never knew the difference between black and white or straight or gay. or I didn't care. Mm. Nor did my parents. And um, so I owe a lot to... Uh, the, the guidance of my mother, mother, the tenacity of my mother, that outgoingness and that charisma and that fun of life from my father. But I got the, the never give up tenacity, I think, from mom. Um, but uh, it all started when I was seven years old. I really, I, honest to God, never thought I'd be talking to a car or running down the beach in slow motion. I was, I, I was, I was on my way to Broadway. And it took me a long time to get there. But I, I walked off Night Rider, believe it or not, to go to Broadway to do Jekyll and Hyde. Oh. And it was the toughest thing I've ever done. But for you to have all that success and to put that aside to go back and do theater is pretty, it really shows that passion. Yeah, it, it's, it seems really poetic that your, your first gig was in Peter Pan. You know, the whole message there is to never grow up. And you look at everything that you've done in your career and continue to do. To everyone, it looks like you still have that mantra of never grow up, keep chasing after your dreams, even though you've already done so much. Yeah, you know, I did um, a married girl from Wales and I did a thing they call Panto, which is a big successful um, kind of a take on Jack and the Beanstalk or the Peter Pan. And I played... I uh, played Hoff the Hook. Don't you just love me? And the audience would go, no, yes, you do. No, we don't. Yes, you do. And I was able to just talk back and forth. And I ended up doing one and I ended up doing seven in a row because like you says, I love theater. And it's my, my passion. And, and, and when I did nine to five recently at the Savoy and in, in, in the UK, it's because there's just something about it, but it's, it's so difficult and it's so, um, you know, the panto was great fun because it was a short run. Uh, and some of those guys do it their whole lives. And I feel really an affinity for all the people that were in 9 to 5 and all the people that were in Hamilton and Broadway because I, I had a dear friend just passed away, but his husband was uh, um, the swing. The swing is an understudy. Uh, in Hamilton, but he was the swing for like six different guys. I mean, how I can remember that? How, oh my gosh, I know. How do they? How do they do that? You know, and and it's just part of their life. They, they live. They live in their cars between shows. They take the train, and now they're all out of work because yeah. of COVID nineteen. It's just a real, real um, strange time, and and we are the lucky ones because. My mom would always say that's life and, and you know, and, and it's true. You know, I, 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 it's a big lesson that I had to learn about, you know, talking, talking to someone when you're not feeling okay, mm -hmm. especially now, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, well, it's really important that you 
you you empty the bucket and, and not overflow because if you don't do that, uh, you get in trouble. And I think you can get in trouble with your own head and your own self. And, and But we're the lucky ones because we, we're able to talk to each other, mm-hmm. come up with creative ideas, travel the world, mm-hmm. meet people, tell people tell me they love me. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Men, men tell me, I love you. Can I tell you my night writer story? I go, it's 12 o'clock. I'm looking for <laughs> avocados. I'm, I'm, I'm only because I'm, I don't want to be recognized. I know, I know. But okay. yes, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> yes. I said, okay, walk with, walk with me. <laughs> yeah. Tell me the avocados and tell me the story. Okay. And they tell me the story. Well, when I was a small boy, I had a little night rider licorice on my on my tricycle. <laughs> you know, and or I was in Soweto. I was supposed to do a, a commercial, Drew, in Soweto. And and I, I went to I wanted to go to Soweto, which is a, a an African township in Johannesburg, because I went there with my dad and I and and the COVID nineteen hit, you know, and I couldn't go. How did so your explosion of music when did, did that happen after your, your acting and, and how, how did it become such a huge part in Europe? Like your, your, your audience base in Europe is bigger than your audience base in, in America or, or? No, it's just that I, I just did an album called Open Your Eyes and got great reviews. And um, it was a really kind of a, kind of a songs from the, from the eighties, you know, like open your eyes from the, the Lords of the New Church and the Jesus of Mary Chain and and uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, Lips Like Sugar, stuff that people don't even know. And to be honest, I did it with a record company called Cleopatra, and I I did it with all these superstars like Steve Stevens and all these amazing uh, musicians because they watched Night Rider and they all mm-hmm. kind of guested on this album. And the album got a great amount of respect, especially with Howard Stern, because I did, um, David Bowie was uh, kind of my, kind of a cool idol. And uh, he did a a song called We Can Be Heroes for Just One Day. Um, And he lived in Berlin when he wrote that. And um, I sang a song um, in Germany called Looking for Freedom. I've been looking for freedom. And it uh, became, we sold 11 million singles. And then they asked me, called me one time and said, hey, we're doing a Sylvester show. And I said, yeah, what's that? They said, well, it's kind of like the Dick Clark show. And uh, we'd like you to sing on the show. And uh, you can sing in a hotel. And, and it goes out to millions of people. And we're on we're ZDF, which is like ABC. And I said, you know what? I'll do it only if I can sing on the Berlin Wall. And I hung up the phone. And I said to my, the person I was with at that time, It'll never happen. <laughs> You're going to have to get Honecker and Helmut Kohn. Not going to happen. The wall's down. It's never going to happen. They called me back and they said, You're singing in a crane. And I said, Between East and West Germany, and the walls come down. And we found out that Looking for Freedom was almost a national anthem, a hymn to the East Germans. And I said, What? And they said, your song, being the Night Rider, singing, I've been looking for freedom. That's what they were singing. I've been looking for freedom. Oh, wow. And they couldn't sing any, they couldn't speak, they couldn't say this next line. I've been looking for freedom. I've been looking so long. I've been, and they were, I've been looking for freedom. Da, 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 because they couldn't <laughs> speak English. <laughs> sing that song. So I sang, and you can see it on YouTube, to a million people. And uh, that began my, 
1989 and 30 years ago, I just finished my last tour called 30 Years Looking for Freedom. The journey continues. It's funny because the only song in, in the UK that's a big hit was Jump in My Car. Jump in my car. And uh, <laughs> that is because one of the DJs there grew up watching Night Rider and he said, I'm going to make Looking for Freedom super famous. I said, no, no, make Jump in My Car famous. So he did. <laughs> and uh, we, we reached number one in, uh, in Ireland and number two in uh, Scotland and, and, and the UK. Oh, wow. And uh, we ended up doing concerts because I was the Baywatch guy. Or they, I said, well, why do you know me? Why are you coming to my concerts? And they said, because you came. I said, what? <laughs> because you came. Nobody else has come. <laughs> and they, they would set up tents in the middle of a field to, to, to see me. And so my concerts now, um, the music is turned into nine to five. And uh, I sang in that show. I sang in Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway. And it took a long time for me to gain the respect of the world. But, you know, it's like Paranka Chopra was telling me how big Knight Rider is in India. And I received this award as a Bollywood award. And it's... um. Kind of like you guys do. I kind of throw whatever happens up in the air, like diving with sharks to Broadway, to the producers in Vegas with Mel Brooks, and whatever lands, I do. And the reason I'm doing this show is because, you know, because I've seen your show and I've seen you, Lena, I've seen, I've, 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 Said, why not? I mean, you just threw it out there like it was a little side thing. You know, you know, diving with sharks. You know, okay, <laughs> no let's deal. dig into that because when you were telling me all about that, I was like, wait, what? You're talking about like like the the sh sharks that are going after all the sardine that are swimming up, you know, uh, from the ocean. I don't, I don't even know the whole that sardine run, but they're they're all there hungry. Every like uh, sardine eating beast is in there hungry, ready to feast. And you want to go and dive with that. You need to explain this to me. <laughs> well, I've got a photographer named Jim Webb who's incredible. I saw his stuff online. And I called him up and I said, hey, where do you live? You lived in Kona. I said, yeah, I've been to Hawaii. I used to live there. And I said, well, there's one place that I'm, I've yet to go. It's called the Sardine Run. Because I'm an avid diver and I do a lot of cavern diving, cave diving in the cenotes and stuff. And I've been over to a place called the uh, uh, Truck Lagoon, which is where you dive on wrecks. Truck Lagoon incredible. I dive with a, a company called the Aggressor Fleet and um, my dive instructor just passed away but he uh, he told me that the sardine run. So I, I went to a place called Durban to dive with um, tiger sharks and they, they, they are um, the next, they're like 20 feet long and they kind of go in a circle and they come at you and my thing was, uh, I was with Mark Addison and he was uh, telling me that these are they're the most aggressive shark next to the um, great white. But if you know, but if you know what to do, like uh, Steve Irwin knew what to do and had a freak accident, but if you know what to do, they're beautiful. Sharks are beautiful. If you, you know, let them, they don't eat people. They just, they don't care about you. They, you know, if you just watch. So the sardine run, you don't want to be in the ball <laughs> of sardines. You don't want to be there. You want to watch. And yeah. you, because if you can watch the action of the birds like ah, flying down <laughs> and the whales coming and the dolphins coming and the sharks coming, everyone's coming to eat sardines. If you stay away, you're okay. And, and 
really kind of um, respecting their environment. Like, you know, it's like you don't walk across the street. You walk in the crosswalk. It's just the same as driving a car. Mm. You just have to respect what's happening around you and you're okay. I mean, you know, it's like with this COVID-19, it's like I, I want to be recognized because I want to get into a situation where I can say it's okay. Mm. You know, that the death or someone in your family or the loss of your income has affected me because it has affected me kind of close to me personally. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, and, and even the, the stories affect me. I'm sure you're affected as well. Oh, we, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have in our circle of, of friends and, and our coworkers and whatnot, it's, it's affected us as well. And, and as you said too, people that, you know, that have passed away or, or been seriously affected, it's, it's scary, but I mean, the, the best thing we can do is to be there as a support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it all goes back to what you were saying earlier about about the importance of talking about it and and unloading your your bucket and filling it with the good stuff. Otherwise, you overflow and it you know becomes a negative energy. So, yeah, it all goes back to what you were saying about about sharing your stories. <laughs> ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. <laughs> Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. <laughs> For yourself, with uh, you're talking about wanting to do that sardine run, though, and wanting to get back out once things go back to normal, getting back out to travel around the world. And I mean, it's really exciting in a situation like yours where you're known globally. It really gives you the opportunity to, to go places that a lot of people haven't gone, meet people in areas that you would never think to go. What are some of your bucket list items that you really want to do? Well, I really wanted to go back to Soweto because I, I really, you know, I, I took a commercial there and it was a for like less money only because I wanted to go back and because I've been to Soweto when it was really bad during apartheid. And, and so I went back just about four, six years ago with my wife and uh, changed, but it's not nearly as, you know, still, it's still tough, but it's not as bad as it was, but it's dangerous. Mm. You know, my, my bucket list is, you know, I've been to the White House. I've been to, I've met the presidents. I, you know, I've got great stories, man. I was jogging down this, the Bahamas, jogging on the road when I was young and out of breath. And lady, oh, do it the night ride, aren't you? I said, yeah, you got anything to drink? Oh, come on in, come in the house. Come in, how are you going to look at it? I know what, the family's coming home. And the next thing I know is I was driving a car in the Bahamas and I drove past a bunch of cars in a bus that had a scanner. And I went, what the, f what is that? <laughs> and I turned around and, oh, you're Michael Knight, you're Michael Knight. And, and there was a Knight Rider club. <laughs> <laughs> I went, what the heck? And they invited me to a bar that night. And I went into the bar and they said, you can't come in here because you are the white man. 
And I said, no, I'm the night rider. No, you're not the night. I'm the night rider. I can go wherever I want. Watch. <laughs> and I, went I drove down the pier and I did a 180 and I came back, you know, pretty easy stuff. <laughs> I teach it. I can probably teach you in five minutes. But anyway, they said, oh, you're the night rider. And I went in. <laughs> And I had this oh incredible experience with all these. I got in a little bit more trouble, but, you know. I mean, being famous is a, is a double-edged sword, you know? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's too much. You can't go out. Everybody's got a selfie and forget it. And people are famous because it took me a long time to kind of accept that, you know? And now I'm, uh, I wish that I could... Um, I really want to get out there and, and, and help because mm. we have this power that's been given to us. We're here for a reason. And we got, I got Knight Rider and Baywatch and this fame and this power because it was given to me, you know? Mm. And, for uh, a reason. For a reason. Mm. And, well, and uh, there was a guy that came on Knight Rider. His name, I can say his name because I asked his dad. His name is Randy Armstrong, and he passed away. And he told, he wrote me a letter. There's more. You taught me there's more to life than pain, and that just hit me. And sent me a picture of him in his night rider hat and jacket, and it was just the heaviest thing that ever happened to me. And so that opened up this world. And so if you, if you. I think if you are positive about it. I truly do love when you have so many people that are actually the positive voices right. out there that that also make a difference. And, and you're right. What you have is a power. It's a power to spread positivity and and encourage equality and encourage acceptance. And you're, you're bridging uh, barriers. Uh, and, and I really love that, especially when you go internationally and you can see how much... You, you've been in the business. This is over four decades that you've been affecting people, right, since the 80s? Well, I graduated from high school in 70. So I was 76 to 82, was was Young and the Restless, a soap opera. And I used to watch that as a kid. To 82, and then 82 to 86 was Knight Rider, and then 89 to 99 and 2000 was Baywatch. This is almost 50 years it, like that's that's a, five decades. Thanks. Yeah, like, you look so young. I know. It's and, and yeah, that's what's weird about it. You know, I'm gonna I'm, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna die in motion laughing. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay with me. You know, I mean, I think uh, you know, I've had a, a good friend of mine just passed away, and you know, and, and I know that he looked at the journey as it'll be okay. It's like my dad would say, he says, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. I used to watch Young and the Restless as a kid. I, I know oh, yeah? It's not, it's not a kid's show, but every day when I came home from school, I watched Young and the Restless. I have three old, older siblings, so I watched what they were watching, and then I also watched Baywatch as a kid. Yeah. They, as kids, they would watch the Chinese soap operas, or they would oh, watch yeah. Baywatch and oh. Young and Restless. <laughs> Yeah. Not not age appropriate, but yeah, uh, yeah. I used to run along the beach and pretend that I was one where, of the where, where did you grow up? In Toronto, in Canada. Oh, in Canada! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you run did along you, the beach. You know that the, the running on the beach is slow motion. The story about that. <laughs> why yeah. we did that? We didn't have enough money to finish the show. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So the cheapest figured, way, just show your abs and. Do it in slow motion and, and we Takes kill four more minutes. Time. Yeah. It became this huge thing. Oh my gosh, that's uh, hilarious. 
Well, was know, it working on Baywatch that got you hooked on diving? No, I got hooked on diving when I was in California. I was a, a waiter trying to be an actor. And uh, so I went to Santa Monica College and I took one, two classes. One was the history of film. Awesome. An awesome class and diving. Mm. And I got certified diving there. And uh, I went out with my the Malibu Dive Club and um, my instructor got the bends and he's still in a... Um, oh. Still in a wheelchair, I think. I mean, but he's still diving, you know. And wow. it became a passion with me and and my daughters and my ex-wife and my new wife. And everyone is, you know, knows that I have to. I got to go. When I go down to Durban, South Africa, they know me. Mm. And it's weird. It's just mm. freaking fantastically weird to have a, you know. Hello, I'm a Zulu. I watch the show, you know, and I'm going, oh my God, how, how weird is that? And, and the next thing I know is I'm diving with amazing sharks and, um, and I, I know and how the to sharks, do it. And the I, sharks know you. Yeah, the sharks, the sharks <laughs> swim, swim up with a Knight Rider. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, I'm going to go diving, right? Because then nobody knows me. And then somebody asked me for a picture underwater. Oh, really? Really pissed me off. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I got up and I went to the instructor and I said, you told somebody? That's funny. I The worst place I've ever been asked for a photo, I was at the <laughs> urinal. I was at the airport at the <laughs> yes. urinal and a guy walks over and he's like, Property Brothers. And he gives yeah. me his hand, like, like hand out there. And I'm like, and you're like no. Oh. He's like turning away so he's not staring at me. So that's why I no longer use urinals yeah. because of that reason. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I've been there too. And that, <laughs> but that was the Golden Globes. And the guy that asked me for the picture was, uh, I won't say who it was, but his, he was a big star. And he said, my wife digs you. And I have an autograph. And I went, I'm in the freaking urinal. Yeah, I can, I can <laughs> sign, but it's not going to do with What do you want me to sign ink. with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I remember, actually? when uh, So 10 years, uh, no, what was that? Almost 15 years ago, we worked on a film together. I just had a small role, yeah. uh, Dancing Ninja. And uh, you were obviously the star of the show. And... We, I mean, we oh, didn't. The get other a, guy was a star of the show. Was a, was, Lucas Grabeel, uh, Grabeel, I think it was, or something like that. The young no, it was high, in, uh, high school it was musical, Hollywood musical. Yeah, yeah, high school musical. And, and uh, but I mean, you guys were both the stars of the show, and you know, we didn't get a lot of time together, uh, scenes or anything like that. But you remember the shiny suit? So the whole thing was he, uh, he was this. Um, this insecure kid, but he had this ninja ability within him, and you were this big head, big honcho, kind of a bit of a bully type. But uh, that shiny suit—it it was like you're a star walking around everywhere. Well, after the production ended, I, you know, they asked if I want to keep my my wardrobe from the show, and I was like, I don't want to keep my wardrobe. I want to keep Hasselhoff's wardrobe. <laughs> so I took three of your suits, and oh, that no. that New Year's Eve, uh, my, uh, my my <laughs> twin, myself, and my buddy Pedro, we went, we were in Vegas for New Year's Eve, and we wore the suits on the strip. That's for, where the suit came. That's where the suit, oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah. I love that. Do you still have those suits? Oh, I, we have what we call the tickle trunk. It's like a bunch of costumes. It's in the tickle trunk. Yeah. Wow. So you know, it was a, that was a pretty strange experience, but it was a great. What I remember most about it was I I visited the troops in a town called Busan. There was a great movie called Train to Busan. God, you should see this. Have you seen it? No. No. Oh, go just rent it. It's about zombies, and it's the stupidest movie ever. Oh, I love zombie movies. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Train to Busan. B U S A N. The USAN. Anyway, I mean, I went to Busan because they were real big fans of Jekyll and Hyde. They had mm -hmm. seen Jekyll and Hyde on um, 
film and they said that there was the, the biggest star in all of South Korea was playing David Hasselhoff, Jekyll and Hyde in the theater and that he had watched my version of it to learn how to do it. I went, oh my God, I got to go see it. Mm. Well, I didn't get a chance to see it, but I got a chance to visit the troops and the troops were incredible. And that was, you, have you done that yet? No, we really want to. We, we visited- Let's um, do it together, man. Yeah. You know, yeah, the yeah. Property Brothers and the Hoff, you know? We should so go cool. visit the troops because I was going on my way to Afghanistan and they and I had all set up, but they wouldn't allow me to go because of, it was too dangerous. Mm. But it was the most incredible experience of my life. We would love to one, uh, one day. I mean, we've- uh, domestically, we visited some of the bases, and um, as part of our kids' book tour too. We also brought around our, our books and gave it to the uh, the kids of the fa- uh, the families in, in the military. But um, yeah, that would be really rewarding to to go over, overseas. Yeah, and- just yeah. I mean, I mean, it's you know what what they do is so incredible to to give themselves physically and mentally and have to leave their families, but to know that you are representing just a little piece of home and mm-hmm. familiarity is. Would be yeah. so powerful. I, I um, was curious when you're so when you're away for your tours or your filming or whatever you end up uh, you're you're gone for long periods of time. Does your family over the years have they come with you when you were traveling or were you uh, off on your own? No, I always invite my family and and find a way to have my daughters come. And uh, um, the last uh, you know the last time my family was all together was at the funeral for my memorial for my father and I. And that really affected me because I said, you know, we shouldn't wait. You know, we shouldn't wait for someone to pass away for all of us to get together. But we're all over the place. We're in Boston and Dallas and all over the world. So the last show that I did, I invited my staff and flew them over, my daughters. And and it was really an amazing experience to be with them all uh, on opening night. And then Night Rider car was there and I bought the damn car. Because mm-hmm. because everywhere I go, the nine hundred car somehow appears, and so I thought it's it's uh, really cool to have them come. And so I have a new family now that's um, with my wife from Wales, and I spend Christmas with them. And my daughters are twenty eight and thirty, so it's kind of like where we're we're still they're still very much a part of my life and very much. Uh, very close to me, and I'm very close to Haley's family as well, and Wales, and there it's it's a whole different ballgame. You have all these different projects uh, that you've been on, whether it's music or it's acting. Do you find you have a favorite, or even with acting, between dramatic roles or something that's more action based or something that's comedy? W- what has been your absolute favorites? I mean, you were in Dodgeball as well, like, oh. like some, some iconic films. But what has been your favorite over the years? Well, you know, the uh, my favorite TV series is Ray Donovan. I, I love the fact that it, it's, and I'm trying to um, develop something like that because. You know, he is a, it's a flawed character, but you still love him. You understand why he's going through all this and, and that stuff happens to him because that's kind of like life. And, and mm-hmm. you know, as much as I've been successful, there's been a lot of negativity and, and terror and, and, and problems in my life that, you know, that, that I haven't really um, talked about because... Um, I try to dwell on the, the positivity and, and changing, helping, helping others. And sometimes when I speak, uh, 
I, I, I kind of wish that I would live a little bit more like <laughs> what I talk about. Mm. Uh, I go off and I go, if I could only live like that, you know. And But I do. And um, the, I think the most important thing to me is, is respect. Mm. And I think it's everybody needs respect. And everybody mm. needs to be private. And, and privacy and respect are the most important things to me. And I think we've lost that in America. And, and I, I find it really difficult. I, I take really um, kind of offense to that. And, and mm. I think if you can not be apathetic and you can have respect for your brother, no matter what color, no matter what religion, no matter what, just respect them, you know? And, and accept that, okay, they're different. You know, it's like, like going into marriage, you know? You can't really change the person you're with. They can't change you. They can make you aware. Like Haley can make me, my wife can make me aware of stuff that I go, oh yeah, hmm, maybe I should think about that. But she's never going to really change me. And I'm never going to change her. I don't want to change her. And uh, um, <clears throat> I have to accept that she is Haley. And she has to accept that I'm David. Because David is a different person than David the Hoff or David the Michael Knight or David the Baywatch guy or the, the singer. You know, I'm, I'm still David. I'm still a guy. And she, she knows that. And so uh, that's uh, something that, uh, that for me is, uh, is, is a big thing, is having that uh, person who loves you for you. Relation advice from the Hoff. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I think it's, it's so beautiful. And, and if we could treat everyone the way we treat our significant others, how peaceful would, I, I mean, given that you're, you're treating them kindly. Yeah. As long as you're treating yeah. them nicely. Um, yeah, it, it does all come down to respect, no matter how different you are or where you come from. And I think that's the, the positive side of, of having a platform is that you do, you, you know, you see... People in a different country don't speak the same language, but you're feeling the same thing, and and you've been connected through through this art called theater or or acting or dancing. And and you you know it's funny. So for me, something that always puts a smile on my face. You'll you'll find this very nerdy. Always for years, I can't even remember how long. I just find randomly there's one song that is always in my head and it just comes in my head and then I'll start humming it and then Linda will hear it and, she, and then it's in her head. And then head. I'll start singing it like, why am I singing I this? I can't one? stop this feeling <laughs> deep, deep inside of me. It's all, it always is in my, I don't know why. I love it. But uh, I absolutely love it. And, and then whenever, so I, whenever I'm singing that in my head, I picture from your music video with it, I picture how fun and funny, uh, like with the flying with the birds and on the motorbike. And yeah. anyway, so that is a simple something that's always in my head. Yeah, and it that creates gives me joy a good smile. and energy. That video, honest to God, I have a great story about that video. It ruined my career. I took I to the Germans, I said, we hate it. I said, what, what do you mean you hate it? We hate this video. And I said, well, and what? And then I got a call that they paid me off lots of money not to record. So it killed my career. And I thought it was the greatest video ever. <laughs> <laughs> and about 10 years later, my daughter calls me and says, Dad, that stupid video. What video? That hooked up a feeling. She goes, 
it's, they're playing it at my school. I said, Are you kidding me? So I called the school and I said, you can't do that. My children go to this private school because they're Hasselhoff's and they're not supposed to be. They said, Mr. Hasselhoff, it's the number one song on the internet. I said, oh. Uh, <laughs> well then. And I said, and I said, would you like to come in and teach a class? I said, I'll be right in. Oh. So I went in and said, and that video was, I just took all the video that I shot all over the world and took it into a place called the Cut Hut. And the Cut <laughs> Hut was just new, brand new. And I said, here, make the weirdest video you can. <laughs> I got my dogs, my daughters, everything. I've got Alaska. I've got the, the Zulus. I've got the people, no, not the Zulus, the uh, Maasai tribe. Ubachuk. I had everything. And, and I show that. And honest to God, it became like number one many, many years later. So... Thank you. Take that, Germany. It was a hit. <laughs> it was a, you know what? They love it. They think that they it was in. It was actually in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and they yep. think it's my song. You know, yeah. it was done by B.J. Thomas originally, and I just, uh, I just copied it. But uh, no. But what I loved with it, and the the reason it's always in my head and it makes me smile, is that it shows that you're not taking yourself too seriously. It's showing yeah. that you still love to have fun. Um, Thank you so much for spreading positivity around the globe. You really do bring people together and you make people smile and we enjoy it. We, we're, we're looking forward to another five decades of amazing work from you. Of amazing hop. Well, I hope that we uh, can do something together and I, I, I really uh, think that we have the ability and the gift to open up the door and get in pr pretty much anywhere. And uh, I think it's important that we utilize what we have a positive way to bring the world together, especially now, especially 100%. now. And, uh, 100%. If we don't, if we don't, then, then we're, we're selfish. And, exactly. you know, I don't ever want to be that way. I, 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 I honor this profession and I honor you guys in this and being who I am. And, um, I'm happy. I'm happy. We right, are on, we're on this planet to give back and help others and inspire others. And I think yeah. you're doing a great job. So we yeah. will see you soon once we're all out of isolation. All right. Thank Talk you so you much. God Thank bless. you. I've got to say that was probably something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. Just sit down for a great conversation with the Hoff. He's so cool and he's so humble you can tell that he loves what he does and he mm -hmm. loves sharing it with the world. And, and he's such a good storyteller. That's what it, and, <laughs> and some of his stories too, you're like, there's no way that happened. There's no way that you were standing, you know, at the wall singing your Berlin when it was knocked down. And he did like he did. His, it's amazing. What a life. Oh, by the way, speaking of cool experiences, Linda pulled me in this week for something very unique that I was kind of hesitant to do at first. Virtual Reiki. Yeah. Now, why don't you explain what Reiki is if anybody out there has never done it? Um, okay, well, let me look up the proper definition of it. <laughs> so basically, and Linda can get the proper definition, Reiki is, is a movement of your energy. It's almost like a massage, but it's, they don't touch you. It's a massage of your energy. And uh, let's see if that's a good definition when you look it up. Reiki is a Japanese form of alternative medicine believed to involve transferring chi through one's palms. Yes. So I was like, so we're doing a virtual session because we're all in isolation. 
and uh, the Reiki guru extraordinaire. Is our uh, really good friend. Yeah, Mel Emlin. And she was explaining it at first, and I'm like, okay, let's be serious. You're on the other end of a phone. It's like when a psychic is trying to read my mind and tell me like something about you know, that's going to happen to be in my future. I'm like, over the phone, really? You're not in person. How do you? And she actually explained it in a very interesting way. She said, there have been a ton of studies that have been done and the type of, you know, if you've ever felt somebody watching you and you look over and you see somebody staring at you, there's something Ooh, that we don't yes. know. There's an energy that you we don't know. You feel it. And she said, it's the same thing too. When if you're talking with somebody and you can feel if someone doesn't like you or uh, alternatively, you feel if someone li- likes you. Um, it's just an energy and- she was actually saying the study that was done too, where it was uh, couples. So they had several couples and one of the, these, each of these couples had cancer. And so what they actually did is they put the person with cancer in an isolated room. They were hooked up to monitors and the other person was in the outside of the room. And what they were doing is they were instructing the person outside the room to visualize the person they love, their, their significant other mm-hmm. in the room and send them love, send them energy, send them healing energy. And they said that they watched the energy levels from both people and every time they started sending those feelings, there were spikes, um, whatever they call it, electromagnetic mm-hmm. magnetic spikes uh, with the people in the, the hmm. contained area with cancer. And they're saying, so this is showing that there's something about energy that we don't know. Yeah. So that made me want to experience it. And it was great. I really enjoyed the session. Yeah, I mean, you you did fall asleep within the first uh, two, three minutes. There were a few snore sessions, <laughs> but she said that wasn't a problem. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, like going back to the, the vibe before we get into like our own experience with Mel, um, I just, yeah, there is something so palpable about like a vibe in a room or that feeling you get when you meet someone, whether it's negative or positive, and but you feel it, and you and we do know it, and we can see that, and um, that's why I've always felt there's so much that we don't know mm-hmm. mentally um, on that energy or spiritual level. There's so much we don't know, and I'm fascinated by it. So mm-hmm. this virtual Reiki session was actually great, and whether it was Mel talking us through, like sending through the phone and her voice, sending through certain energy vibes. Mm-hmm. Or whether it was just her voice that was triggering certain that was prompting our bodies to yeah. yeah yeah certain reactions in our body. I think that that's either way it worked for me, and I did I did feel it. Yeah, and and if anything, it was a great session and time set aside for us to just talk about certain things um, and to share that with Mel, who we've known for a long time, was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I got a great midday nap. And you got a really great midday nap, and you were. Um, you were distracting my nap. So, you know, one thing that was funny when we did the session, though, um, she was asking us anything that we were visualizing while this was happening and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it was almost at the exact same moment that Linda was mentioning uh, at the end that she was um, picturing something with our with us family and there was something that you were saying by the beach. Mm-hmm. And I literally was having almost the exact same yeah. look, but mine was, it was almost like a silhouette from behind us. And in front of us was the beach and... We were walking out. It was you and me holding hands with two little kids, our future children. And I thought it was pretty cool that at the exact same time, we were almost picturing the same thing. Yeah, I was picturing specifically, like I saw my rolled up jeans and I was at, I was on a beach or something. Mm-hmm. Justin made an appearance, our friend Just, so, Dr. Yeah, Justin Yeah, so Justin's Tan. a chiropractor <laughs> and he does uh, mobility training. But actually that's a, a, another great aspect of what we're talking about here. So- you know, longevity of healthy life is what we all strive for. And 
you know, I don't want to, I don't want to live a long life, but not be healthy. I want to be mobile. I want to be able to, to be active. And so everything from what we're doing with Reiki or when we work with Justin Tan and we're doing chiropractic mobility exercises, mm-hmm. core workouts, this, this is all like, I'm so addicted to it because mm-hmm. every little thing we do Pilates, when we work with Laura and we do Pilates um, and use the reformer, this is all stuff that it's, you know, when you think of guys who are like, I like to go to the gym and lift heavy. I like to bulk up. That's totally what Which I was like for a long too. time. It's great. Yeah. And there's, there's an aspect for that. But as you get older, at least for me, as I get older, I start to realize there's more than just getting bigger muscles. I want to have bigger muscles that move. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to move and I want to be able to get up out of my car when I'm after driving and or a stronger off the sofa. mind. Yeah, but I want to I want to get up without pain. I want to yeah. not have my knee clicking every time I play basketball for a day. Yeah, I, I do like how you are so willing to to just try different methods of you know practicing wellness. Um, a few hours prior to our Reiki session, Drew was like, "Oh, it's just hocus pocus massage anyway." <laughs> well, that, what it was, Linda's like, "Oh, I'm not sure if I actually booked us for both of us doing the session or, or just yourself," and I'm like does it matter? And she's like, well, well, yeah, she needs to know if it's one session or two. I'm like, but we're doing it at the exact same time. So either she's doing one hocus pocus massage with you or she's doing one <laughs> with the two of us. Uh, but she won me over. And I wasn't saying that to, to slight her. No, I, I no, just no. meant you were being I, funny. as virtual. I mean that it was like magic how she moves her energy virtually. But uh, anyway, I feel anyway. great. My body feels great. My mind feels great. And we're going to do a follow-up session. But you know, what we will do too is we'll put on our blog um, at athomepodcast.net. Um, one, we'll do a post about our Reiki experience as well as um, some of the other wellness activities that we've done with Justin Tan or when we work out and we try different types of activity. And also, um, if you guys want to check out, we sat down and had a chat with Justin as well. So check out the episode of At Home with Justin Tan. And be sure to rate the episode and share it. And you can hit us up at at home on all social as well as YouTube. And we want to say a big thank you to our podcast producer, Brandon Angelino. Angelino. And to our researcher and sis, Annalie Bell. As well, our music, Feels Like Home, is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And thanks to you all for listening. And a huge thank you to the love of my life, Linda, who pulls me into all these cool, unique experiences like virtual Reiki. I thank you for giving me a foot massage. You want to give me a foot massage. Here comes that hocus pocus. (laughs) Ciao.